Cliffcentral.com on a Thursday morning and the burning platform, our chance to catch up on all the things that are going on in the news and to see what is happening that affects your life. And one of the people that we have become increasingly familiar with over the years, there used to be a time where I had to give an introduction uh, to Gaten McKenzie, but he's become such an important part of the political landscape that now he hardly needs an introduction. Uh, he is, of course, the president of the Patriotic Alliance, which is a political party in our parliament uh, and, and contesting a number of uh, provincial and local seats as well. Gayton is also the former executive mayor of the Central Karoo District Municipality in South Africa, and he has some truths to tell us about this morning. He's got plenty to share. I saw him last week and said to him, listen, Dude, we've been asking you for, for, for months to come on the burning platform. He assures me he was not avoiding us, Pumi. He assures me. He promises me he was not avoiding us. So it is with great pleasure that we welcome... But we'll treat it like a political response. <laughs> Gaten, how are you? It's nice to see you. Uh, good morning. Good morning to you, Pumi. Hello. Um, so The general good morning is not a political one. No, um... So let's just talk about a couple of things. First of all, how is the Patriotic Alliance looking? We've got an election this year. Uh, What do you think your chances are? Where are you guys working the hardest? I know you're in Plet at the moment, are you not, for a by-election that's happening there? Yes, uh, basically, uh, I mean, Plet actually for the, we are are removing the DA tomorrow in Plet. We're putting in a new government there. But we have a big by-election coming up in Georgia on the 14th of February. The PA, we aim for around 10%, you know, 10% of the vote. It's not going to be easy. You speak to any political party, they'll tell you, oh, we're doing so good at the moment. But they have nothing to benchmark or to prove what makes them think they're doing good. We at the PA, we're doing extremely good. And the only thing we can show as evidence is the by-elections. Mm. We've been winning a lot of by-elections. We've won... Solplaki municipality, Kimberley Rudapan, we've won Kensington, we've won Ennerdale, so we've won one in George, we're about to win one on the 14th. So yeah, basically that's the reason why I'm saying that we are one of the fastest growing political parties in the country. Uh, these are interesting areas, and I mean, South Africa is in some way, shape or form obsessed with race, and I think that the PA has a huge amount of coloured support. Of course, they've got support from other groups as well. But nobody's really been the coloured party in South Africa. Uh, do you think that that's where there's a gap? And do you think that the DA in particular are taking you guys seriously in places like the Western Cape where they've had a, a fairly strong success story over the years? All right. Now, what you're saying is, I think that what you're saying is so true. The the uh, people are scared to admit that every party has a base. Mm-hmm. Let's take the ANC. The ANC's base is black people. Let's look at Freedom Front Plus. Their base is white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's look at IFP. Their base is Zulu people. EFF. Their base is black people. The Patriotic Alliance. Our base is colored people. And there's nothing wrong with that because. You know how you know a party's base, what a party's base is? You must see which by-elections they take part in. Mm-hmm. And, and we are, we see ourselves as a colorful party. Uh, color people are definitely our base, and we are unapologetic about that. But we endeavor to represent everybody in South Africa. And that's why we go out of our way to make sure that we are, our leadership speaks to that. 
that we are the only party that has got uh, 90% of the races in the top leadership. We don't have an Indian yet. Uh, but we've got white people in our top 10 structure. We've got black, uh, African people. We've got colored people. So, yeah, we are trying to, to move away from the colored tech only. Okay, 10% is ambitious. Pumi, what do you think of that? 10% for the Patriotic Alliance in the national elections. Of course, a large proportion of the um, of, of South Africa's parliament is made by, in fact, half of those seats are provincial, um, but the other half are all national proportional. Um, you think that's a possibility? They could get up to 10%? You know, um, Musimai Mane launched his manifesto last Sunday. And yeah. last week we were talking about Rizam Zanzi's manifesto. Yes. Everybody seems to be uh, talking about that 10 to 15 percent mark mm-hmm. going for a 10 to 15 percent. So it'll be interesting. What does that look like in terms of numbers? What, how, you know, for you, Gaten, what does that look like in terms of numbers of people that you think will vote for you? To we're give looking you at 1.5 million. Uh, we're looking at 1.5 million. You see the difference between Rizum Zanzi and, and uh, Musi and all these parties is that, let's take 2021, we would have... We just lost your sound. I think Nathan. you've gotten... 20, okay, we we're, back, had, we're back, we're back. No, we're good. I, I said, uh, if you looked at the results of 2021, then they've given us four to five seats in parliament already. Mm-hmm. The PA, uh, uh, look, if we say 10%, we're looking at 1.5 million people. And now you hear, uh, Gareth just said that the DA doesn't take us serious. No, that is not, that is the persona they would like to put out there. They don't take us serious. Mm-hmm. We are the biggest threat to the Democratic Alliance. Let me show you why I'm saying that. In 15 years, nobody in the Western Cape Sorry, nobody in Cape Town. In 15 years, no party except the DA and the ENC has managed to win a award. We've done that. We won a award of the DA in Kensington. We are, we are a nightmare to the DA. We are the only ones that, that, that if they beat us in a by-election, they only beat us because they are there with Freedom Front Plus, which is proven. Hmm. And I'm saying to you that we are confident of between... Uh, 1.3 and 1.6 million people. We work very hard as the Patriotic Alliance. And all these other parties, I mean, Raisam Zanzi has never taken part in a by-election. Muti has tried to challenge us in 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 Rurapan. His first by-election, we got, I think, 2,000-something uh, votes. He got 40-something votes. So, yeah, we're not in the same class or strata. So, you know, if there's one thing that... Everybody knows about the Patriotic Alliance. It is your absolute hatred for foreign nationals and their place in South African society. Besides that, what are your other two priorities when you think about policy? Well, when you think about policy, I think the first one for us is crime. Uh, You know, how to fight crime. Uh, That is the biggest thing. You know, for us, we are... We don't use all these big words and we don't go around and talk about things that don't bother our constituencies. We speak about issues like, for instance, crime is a big issue in our constituency and how we intend to fight crime is first and foremost, we're going to bring back the death penalty. Now, people don't want to talk about that because they want to be, they say, yeah, innocent people might die, but innocent people are already dying. 
in this country. So if you say innocent people might die with the introduction of the death penalty, uh, um, I, I'm here to tell you that innocent people are already dying. I think that's the first one. The second one is that the issue of land, for instance, people also want to be politically correct with land. You know, the uncomfortable truth about the land issue and is that people talk about expropriation without compensation. But if you go there the route, I personally would love to expropriate without compensation. My grandfather lost a, a farm, a plot, sorry. But that is just not viable where we are currently in the world. So we as the Patriotic Alliance, we say expropriate but with compensation. Because once you expropriate without compensation, you lose property rights. Now, mm. as a very successful business person, once you lose property rights, you have no country left. I can assure you that. Yeah. That property rights is the bedrock of any of, of finance, international finance, finance and capital. So you need to avoid that avenue. So we are saying expropriate the land, but with compensation. We are saying bring back the death penalty. We are saying that stop this bragging about we've got 18 million people on grants, which is a third of the population. It basically speak about your incompetence. If you say, look, look how many people I have on welfare. I'm yeah. so great. I'm so great that my people, I can't self-sustain. I have to sustain so, them. I, okay, so th those particular issues would need to go back to Parliament and you'd need a change but in hang the on, legislature. I, I just, so I, how do you do that with a 10% party? Before before you answer that one, I just want to say like this is quite a, a an important thing to take stock of. Like He actually answered your question, which politicians don't. He told us what his priorities are. <laughs> And whether we, he didn't push back, and maybe you want to push back before we get to what your 10% will actually achieve in parliament. But Pumi said you absolutely hate foreign nationals. Is that a fair representation of your position on this? And why do you think illegal immigration is an issue in South Africa? Because it is contentious. And there are people who say you're just fueled by hatred on that front. There are other people who love what you're doing. Well, you know, uh, here's the issue. I, I absolutely hate what illegal foreigners are doing. I don't hate them as, as people. I think a leader shouldn't just hate people on the basis of them being different. But I do hate what they do in our country. You know, uh, I, I, I always have a joke. I always tell my friends. I said, when we were young, we used to go sit on the railway lines and discuss, where are we going to get money? And we'll be looking for money. And we'll, the guys will be smoking weed there. And we'll be discussing, where will we get money? Until foreign nationals came here and, and they would nationally, they would steal the same rail who were sitting on planning how we're going to uh, get money. And, and there are certain crimes, as an ex-criminal, I can tell you there are certain crimes that these people came here with. This selling of body parts, this uh, 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 cable theft, there's never been a problem in this country. Uh, the issue of, 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 of cell phone battery towers, has never been an issue. These are crimes that came here with illegal foreigners. I absolutely hate with a passion what illegal foreigners are doing. And, and you know, people want to uh, politicize this thing. The truth of the matter is illegal foreigners are the worst evil that has ever happened to this country uh, after apartheid. This is our second evil. The moment we can get rid of them, the better. And, and to go deeper in, if you look at uh, Pumi, if you look at Ngaras, if you look at the fact that every restaurant in Cape Town, you will be hard-pressed to find the South African waitress. 
you will never find uh, South African domestic working all the houses in the good suburbs in the Western Cape. You will, the same in Joburg. The, yesterday I was in Sandton Mall and, and, and I was just saying, let's take a walk. And you can, I went to Nandu's for instance there. You don't find South Africans working there. It is unnatural. It is wrong. And South Africans are going to one day decide enough is enough and the outlet will not be the way I address issues. So I am saying to you that illegal foreigners should go back to the country because there's a point nobody wants to speak about. Their governments wants them here. Look at who's here. That is men that is working age, uh, ladies that's working age, they're still young, that is, they still got fire in them. Because if these people are back home, they will start riots. So it suits these leaders to have them here. At whose expense are they here? You go to the schools. Uh, some Africans can't get their children into schools. But the schools got illegal foreigners. The worst one I've seen, which is the absolute worst I've seen, was at Rahima Musa, where South African women are giving birth on the floor. And we've got it on video, because I didn't believe it. I wanted my guys to bring me a video. Where South African women are giving birth on the floor while illegal foreigners are chilling on the bed, you have given COVID. People were not getting oxygen Gaten, because they had to die at home. We, we, we've heard you say all of this before. And one of the things that re this reminds me of is at your, your party that you had at Orlando Stadium, one of the things that you're quoted as saying is that you would turn off the um, life support for illegal foreigners. How do you decide who's an illegal foreigner? And that's illegal. Why would anybody want to support a leader who's willing to do the wrong thing to push their agenda? All right. Firstly, you ask me, how do I decide who's an illegal foreigner? Mm. Very easy. Even my six-year-old boy can, dec can decide that by paperwork. If he doesn't have the required paperwork. So how would you know a person who's on life support if they've got the paperwork or not? How do you decide no, that? I can, no, if you want to be academic, let's go. You have a person getting into a hospital. You need to have the papers from the reception before you get into life support. I, listen, I was in hospital after they injured my arm. Uh, while I was being taken there for them to look at my arm, my people had to fill in forms, bring out my medical aid number and all those things. So let him bring his passport. That's number one. Number two, people like you, once your loved one, there's one bottle of oxygen and you take your loved one to the hospital and wouldn't you want the leader that you have voted for to give it to your loved one because he's a South African and we have a duty as a leadership of South Africa to give good health care. Instead of giving it to a Zimbabwean, your loved one doesn't have an option. He can't go to Zimbabwe. While the Zimbabwean or the Mozambican has an option, they can go home. So you guys always talk about, oh, no, that's inhumane until it is your family that needs that oxygen. I am saying to you unapologetically, I will switch that machine from any illegal foreigner right to a South African. Because a South African, this is in South Africa. When I travel overseas, I have to ha have my medical insurance. So this is not a banana republic. Don't make us a banana republic because you guys want to have you know, this hearts. Leadership is not about how you feel. 
but it's about what you have put your hand on the Bible with when you became a councillor, when you became a parliamentarian. You said, I will serve the people of South Africa. Not South Africa, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, uh, China, uh, Serbia. No, you said South Africa. So what, I what about, So what about the allegation that you are only chasing black illegal foreigners? Because people often level that at you and they say, oh, well, it's fine when you're patrolling the, the, the Limpopo River. As I saw you were just a couple of weeks ago, it got you a huge amount of support and a lot of uh, negative, hateful comments too. Um, is this is this only about getting rid of black illegal foreigners? Now, you see, uh, people need to understand that I have a constituency. And my constituency is not Constantia. My constituency is not Sanders. So the problems that my constituency face and the people that give them problems are the ones I should attend. Now, these are the problems of my constituency. They can't get space in hospital. They can't get jobs as in restaurants. They can't get jobs as security men. They can't get jobs uh, as gardeners. They, 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 they can't get uh, any job they want because illegal foreigners get preference. Now, when I go and look at who's this illegal foreigners that get preferences, I can understand why people say we are only chasing uh, Zimbabweans and Mozambicans. But when I go to the hospital lines, it is only Zimbabweans and Mozambicans. I don't see Serbians. I don't see Italians. I don't see... And that's the truth. And that is not denying that they are illegal foreigners. We will come to them when we are done dealing with the one that's an acute problem at the moment. Because you can go now for a colonoscopy. You have to wait six months. But on that list, you have so many primroses and promise and whatever surnames from Zimbabwe and names on that list. So they are the moments where I can understand why people say that, Gareth. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains is I listen to the constituency and my constituency says the security guards, I'm still to meet an Italian security well, guard that's illegal here. Well, I mean, Gaten, one of the reasons we like having people like you on this show is because we, we want to give you a chance to explain these things. And you've, you've been very clear. Uh, again, uh, this is refreshing because politicians who we've had on this show before will dance around an issue sometimes. Now, many people won't agree with your stand on foreigners. Many people will, but at least we know where you stand. Pumi's question about the 10% Pums, just let's pick that up. Yeah, so I mean, it's one thing saying I'm putting my hand up and I want to be in parliament, I want to be the president, and I hope I can get 10% and at the same time say what I want to do is I want to be switching off life machines. But I need to understand how you think with the 10% party, you're going to be able to affect the legislative change that is required to achieve the things that you want to achieve. All right. First and foremost, you don't need even 10%. You need 1%. Uh, 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 and you can be president of this country. One percent. Don't go far. The city of Joburg. We have a mayor currently that I think got two percent. <laughs> uh, I can show you 20 other places in South Africa. So one percent can make me the president of, of South Africa. One percent. Because coalitions is a different animal and people need to educate themselves more about coalitions because coalitions is about when you need that percentage you know, when you need, I remember we were talking in a place called Rabau Tiveka, Tivatoskloth, and we had we had two seats only, and the DA was laughing at me when I told them, "No, we want our guy to be the mayor." 
I mean, this lady couldn't stop laughing. Like, are you crazy with two seats? I said, ma'am, do you take the offer or not? And she said, no, you will never be mayor. And I said, all right, watch me. The next day, I met with other parties. We sat down and they decided to be mayor. So coalitions come with a different dimension of what we used to know. That's what I'm saying to you with 1%. One seat. You know, if there's an independent that gets one seat, he okay. can be president of this country. So, so Gayton, can I, can I just ask you on that note, because we are talking coalition politics and going into this election, it looks likely that there will have to be mm. coalitions. Who are you prepared to be in a coalition partnership with and are there people that you will not deal with? And where would you find most of your friends in Who the Who are other, the natural alliance? Yeah, in the other parties. I mean, uh, you know, if you could have it your way, obviously you would like to have an outright majority in places where you wouldn't have to deal with others. But I think that's unrealistic in some places. So who would your friends be and who would you ally yourself with? You know, before in 2021, immediately after the election, the media asked me the very same question and they asked every politician that question. I was the only politician that said, I will work with anybody. I will, even if the AWB had a political party, I would have gone into coalition with them. For me, it is about my aims and objectives and promises I've made to my people. Whether I'm going to cross the river on the back of a crocodile in order not to, in order to keep my promises to my people. You see, they are lying. Politicians are lying to all of you and they say, I will not work with this one. I will not. They are lying. When the leer of power, I am saying to you, I'm in politics for power. The ones that say they're not in politics for power are all lying because they say, no, we're in politics for principle. I've never, I've been in more coalition discussions than most politicians. And I've never had principle being an issue when we're in those private meetings. It's power, power, power. So for me, as the Patriotic Alliance and members of the Patriotic Alliance and the leadership of the Patriotic Alliance, we will go with anybody. We've got no preference. We will work with anybody for as long as you agree to the things that we are agreeing with. And, and we must also, we can't have our own, we can't have the whole cake and eat it. We might have half of the cake and the other person might have half of the cake. We said we will never work, we, we've never said we'll never work with nobody. But I'm saying to you today, we will work with anybody that's willing to give us what we want. All politicians, who would have thought the ANC and the DA would work together? I can tell you as a fact on this show, there's great behind-the-scenes talks. Can't you see John Stiena is making statement after statement with Paul Masatile? Mm -hmm. Because he's trying to get himself in as a deputy president. Listen, they can lie to people. I'm going to say to people, just be honest with the people and let them rather not vote for you. PA will work with anybody. We can work with the AWB if they still existed. And do you think that the you, you brought up Joe, Joe Berg um, in your last answer. Do you think that your coalition agreements in Joburg have yielded what you thought they would? I don't think so, honestly. I don't think so. I think we are we are failing uh, in reaching all the promises we've made. But the promises that we there's some promises we've kept, and it's very difficult. I always get tagged by people on Twitter. Kate, look at the water thing. But water doesn't fall under the Patriotic Alliance. And I understand people's frustration. But if if you were to tell me uh, on a scale of zero to ten. 
what will I say? How much? How how well did we do? I'm saying at the current moment, I think we are we are on a four or a five. I don't think we've done great, uh, uh, and that's just my honest opinion. And that I think they can do more. The problem in the city of Joburg is there's a lot of infighting amongst the parties, which you are maybe not privy to. We are sometimes fighting more each other than we're fighting for the residents at the moment. And it's not only in Joburg. The same is happening in, in Chwani. There, there's a lot of infighting that the people are not aware of, where us politicians are fighting each other instead of fighting for the people. And that's why in the city of Chwani, you see it's going to hell. That's why in Joburg, it's busy going to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and, and same as Ekurlene. And I just think that we must be honest with the people about that. So what are the learnings that you then hope to take to the national government if you're saying that you're failing in the coalition in Johannesburg, in Swane? What are the learnings that you're hoping to take to national government that will help you not fail? I think, you know, we went to Israel uh, not so long ago, uh, before all those uh, things started there. Mm. And we went specifically for one reason. We went there to learn about coalitions. And when I came back, what I've learned there was that we did 5% of the things right during coalition negotiations. And Israel has taught us that you must agree and sign in stone all the things that might happen, that might go wrong. You have to, you don't need to rush through the thing in one day. They, they taught us that it takes months sometimes to have a proper coalition agreement. So what I've learned taking to national government is you gotta you gotta make sure what you who you're joining, what you're signing yourself up for, and you gotta talk about even budgets before you you gotta talk about everything. And because we're now in coalition era, I think that that is the biggest lesson I've learned. What about, uh, you, you've got some ideas, some quite strong ideas about things like conscription, and we have a massive unemployment problem in this country. Do these two go together? Is the one a solution to the other? And, and what do you think the Patriotic Alliance can do for young people in this country who, let's face it, if there's a, a group of people out there who are disenfranchised and who are feeling very left out, it's young people. How are you going to appeal to them? And is this part of your plan, this conscription thing? Yes, no, definitely. I think I think the first one, Gareth, is the fact that uh, young people in this country, we need to check what are we doing wrong. One of the first things we are doing wrong which is an injustice to young people. You go to places outside Joburg or Cape Town, young people are falling pregnant for no other reason than the 500 grand. You have a 23-year-old lady getting four kids and knowing that she's going to get 2,000 rands a month because that's the only thing she thinks can raise an income for her. Now, that is the first thing we need to attend to. As the Patriotic Alliance, we're just going to flip the script. Because at the moment, we're spending billions on sex education as a government. We're spending billions on uh, condoms. And, and when they don't listen to our sex education and they don't uh, use the condoms, we reward them with 500 rands a month. We will start paying young people. It takes 3 million rands to raise a child from the, for a middle class family. Now, let's say for a poor family, let's say it's a million or it's less than that. And we are saying at the Patriotic Alliance, let us give every child between the ages of 13 and 18 years a stipend, anything between 200 and 500 rands, not to fall pregnant. It's a reward. 
boys and girls. Once you don't have a charge, you're getting paid. And then we will have, of course, people think it costs only 500 to raise the government. No, hospital costs, all this costs add up. And, it, and it's a lot more than the 500 the government is giving. So we want to change that. Then the second issue is that not everything about the apartheid was bad. And, and I don't care if people, there's a backlash for that. I can tell you, not everything about apartheid was bad. One of the things that apartheid did very well for me was conscription. I know guys that would have ended up in jail with me if they were not in the army. And that's a fact. Whether they, they were on the wrong side, they were on the side of the, of the Boers. But the fact remains is that we need to make sure that young people, you know, at, at my businesses, I've got a lot of young white boys there. No, not young, uh, 45 upwards. And you ask him, you, you only got standard four. He only did like grade six. And this guy knows so many things. And you ask him, where did you learn all these things? The army, sir. The army, sir. So the army is not just shooting. I don't even think ours can shoot. But the army, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> you can learn. At the, at, you can learn at the, at the army. So I'm taking these young people to the army, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're white, whether you're black. When you reach the age of but 18, you know uh, Isn't this adding to the the cost side of an already beleaguered, beleaguered economy. I mean, we're now going to pay people not to get pregnant. We're now going to pay people to go and join the army because even though there's conscription, you can't not pay them at all. Uh, so these are costs. These are adding to the, the state's uh, cost book rather than the, the bringing in you know, more money or creating employment. All right. Two things there. I'm going to give you two answers. The first one is, 18%, 18 million people are currently on welfare. Yeah. And they, they, they are adding nothing to the state. Nothing. That's a cost. Worth nothing. Mm. Now, if you take 18 million people, that's a third of your population that's on welfare. But if those same people go to the army, at least they are adding. They are productive. They can pay tax. They can add to the fiscus. That's the first part of the thing of, of my answer. That uh, South Africa, and the second part is South Africa is one of the third richest countries in the world, mineral wise. South Africa has got mineral resources, natural resources. We are in a wealthy country. We should not because the people that are running us currently has no commercial sense and they and they don't know what they are doing. This country is wealthy. You know, I can't start to explain to you how wealthy South Africa is. If we have the right government in place, the right people, the right policies, you know, with business, they don't want the policy to change every day. They want to know what they're in for. You can, if you fight crime, you'll have foreign direct investment. If you, if you, if you, we have young people that are 35 years old. I mean, if you can't even find work for your doctors, your medical doctors, nothing tells you how fucked you are. If you can't find work for your medical doctors, that, that for me. Now, if what is a guy that has not gone to school? Listen, this is not a time to talk about uh, nice, nice things to say. No, we are in a crisis in this country. And what this crisis needs, it needs a guy like me that will come in and I will come in with a strong hand and I will try with a team I'll put together. I'll get the best guys. I can't come here and put patriots, the, 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 my, my fellow patriots of, of patriotic alliance in top positions. I need to go out in the country and say, who's the best in education? 
Who's the best? If we don't have one in the PA party, I need to go out there. Whether this guy is a politician or not, it's country duty. We are there. We, this is where we are now. See, la, we are here. We need to make sure we get people we are in trouble. This country is gone. Foreigners are done with, illegal foreigners are done with us. International mafias, I always say Interpol. Whenever Interpol arrests big wanted criminals, where do they find them? South Africa. We are the guy here in Cape Town. <laughs> the nicest guy you can ever meet, people told me. He worked as a security guard. The family left him with the children at the wine farm. He was the best mannered person you can ever meet. This guy was the boss of the killings in Rwanda. He was part of the genocide in Rwanda. And he was, and he looked for him for 18 years and look where he find him. Every mafia, I can call you international mafias that are, some are hiding, some has been arrested here in South Africa. We need to clean up this country, we need to take our country back. And this is not a time to listen to people uh, like Pumi that says, oh, but how do you switch of the oxygen? Until but, needs oxygen. Kaysen, you're making my point for me because you're saying this guy <laughs> was, he was, he was the security guard sitting there with the white people's family. He didn't come over the border. He came on the plane. But this is the no, point I'm making to you. Hold on. This is we the point. He didn't come over the plane. Uh, Gaten, he didn't come with the plane. Gaten, mm. the point I am making is that for the, the problem for you and I, is a systemic problem. And it's a problem around our policing. It's a problem around our border management. It's a problem around home affairs and corruption. Those And those problems, my dear, are not the problems that you solve by standing on the side of the river and saying, Fangum. So that's the point I am making to you. And I'm saying to you that a leader, a leader is actually a person who is able to stand at a in in a bigger place and motivate and and get and get individuals I, I, I just, all of the various individuals uh, working together towards a particular common goal and so all of you, you are making what? my point for me I, but I, my question I, I just want to jump in here Pums, yeah. because you often and rightly, I think, criticize our current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, for being spineless, <laughs> for being spineless, never making decisions, trying to play both sides of every issue, uh, trying to be everyone's friend, you know, the negotiator from Codessa and the unions before that. And, and the antidote to that, sometimes it's too strong an antidote, is the kind of stuff that Gaten's talking about, where you have decisiveness, you know where people stand. Gaten, uh, would you be able to, for example take care of gangs in the Western Cape? Would you be able to take charge of policing from someone like Becky Trelle and fix what's going on there? All right, no. Just let me answer Pumi first before I sure. get to your question. Sure, sure, sure. I didn't finish you asking see, my have... question. Okay, I didn't can, finish yeah, yeah, asking finish my it, question. Finish it, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I interrupted, sorry. My fault. <laughs> no, but really my question is around the fact that the leadership that we don't see in this country is a leadership that can create a single-minded goal for all South Africans to fall behind. And do you think that you are that person? Yes, I think I'm that person. I think first what you must understand is that I'm not in power. And I'm talking about nationally. I'm not in power. What am I doing by standing by the side of the river? I have brought attention to the problem. 
And I can tell you, they've woken up. They've taken note. There's now statements, BMA, every day we read about the rest. That would not have happened if we didn't go and stand there by the river and told them to go home. So at the moment, the little influence, I use my, my influence and my party's influence to bring attention to the problem, that's one. I think, you know, when, when you, to answer your question, uh, when you look at South Africa, we need motivational leadership. We need leadership that can take us from where we are to where we want to be. We need leadership that can make our dreams come true. And you can't find anybody better than me. I mean, look at where I was. I was the worst of society. The worst. The absolute worst. Let me tell you. You get, you get gangsters in jail and then you get us. You know, uh, we were the worst. And I'm embarrassed about my past. But I'm going to say this to you. I've managed to pull myself with the help of very good people up. And I not only found myself a job, but I find myself today giving jobs to hundreds of people. I found myself today giving information when it comes to crime and solving crime. I find, you know, the other time they hijacked a friend of mine and they kicked a pregnant woman in the tummy. And we, for three days, I personally, with some of all my friends that come from jail, we investigated that matter until we found the car. We found the people responsible. I went to court to go and testify against the biggest hijacking boss in, in in the city of Joburg, and still the walks came to me and they asked me, how did you guys get there? Can you tell us your methods? So I'm saying that is who I have become. Mm. And, 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 and even successfully financially. So I'm saying I'm going to take that leadership and bring that leadership to the country. I am your guy for a time like this. Nia Bukele, to answer your question, Gareth. Uh, Mm-hmm. Nia Bukele is the best president in my book in the world. He's the president of El Salvador. Right. When the Americans dumped MS-13, the biggest gang in the world, when they mass deported them to El Salvador, I think they had a murder rate of like 30 to 50, 60, 80 people a day. Businesses couldn't operate. And they chose a man called Nia Bukele. He came in, long story short, he dealt with the gangs the way I'm going to deal with the gangs in the Western Cape the gangs in Joburg, the gangs in Wentworth, the gangs in, in, in Galvindale. He put them in jail without bail. And he fought crime on the streets today. El Salvador is the second safest country in the world after Canada. Now, to go from the worst country in the world with the highest murder rate, one of the highest murder rates, to the second safest country in the world needs leadership, proper leadership. And, and, and you make me, for instance, I have to be police minister. There's so many things I'll be doing that Becky Keller is not doing. There's so many things. And, 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 and lastly, you know, it, it's not, when we talk illegal foreigners, we're not just talking about one issue. This is not a single issue. This might be a single issue with many, many facets and points. Illegal foreigners, once you get rid of, Arguably, let's say 10 million. Some say 15 million. Some say there's 3 million. So let's go to 8 million. Oh, most of those people, it's either you work or you commit crime, but you're not doing nothing here. Well, As an illegal foreigner, you either work, do crime, or go to school. Uh, 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 I'm saying you can already create 5 million jobs just by mass deportation. Belleville Magistrate Court is full. 80% of the people on the court role in Belleville Magistrate Court are illegal foreigners. The court role is over-exhausted. It, 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 it's really, 
it, 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 it's full. You look at the hospitals. Go and see our hospitals. How these people are giving birth, how these people are clogging. Sardinians can't get anything other than desperate. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying to you, that is, that is what I feel, that I'm not going to change my stance. Whether you vote for me or not, illegal foreigners, you might realize it now and listen to me, but in 20 years' time or 10 years' time, you guys would say, we should have listened to that guy. The, so speaking of your stance, when can we expect to see your manifesto? I was on your website and the, the, there was no mention. That's an old that manifesto. No, no, there I isn't one. I wasn't manifesto. able to find one, actually. And that's why I'm no, asking we, we when we can off. afford to see, when we will see God. your next one. That's, that's a, we took it off because there's a new one that's being uploaded on the 17th. But I can tell you quickly, in one minute, all our points. Number one, we are bringing God back into our schools and into South Africa. You know, children don't pray at our schools anymore. There's no more uh, religious classes. While you have the Muslims, who have madrasa, the children are still, they still have access to, 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 to the word of God. You have Jews, the children still have access. We South Africans, our children don't know God. So number one, we bring God back into all our schools and into our workplaces. Number two, we'll bring back the death penalty. Number three, we'll bring conscription. Um, and number four, we will uh, mass deport all illegal foreigners. And number five, there's certain minerals massive minerals in this country, like what Norway did, they nationalized the big minerals, uh, uh, which minerals belong, is not land that, that is currently in somebody else's name. It belongs to the state and to the people. And Norway nationalized the oil. And that's what we're going to do. The major, we've got oil, gas, iron ore, manganese, platinum, silver. we got everything here, chrome, in this country. And then we'll start something like a sovereign wealth fund. And where ordinary people can get can share in the wealth of this country. So basically, that is the type of stuff we are looking at as a as, as thing. And I think the last one is the race issue. Everybody's running away from this race issue. The problem, South Africa only, we only flourish when we are together, like the Springbok team. There's white, black, colored, Indian, well, I don't think Indian yet. <laughs> uh, but that's they everybody in the Springbok team. team. Yeah, and the cricket team, the that's cricket probably team. says. There's some Indians in the cricket, the cricket team. <laughs> but look at where we, we my, my Indian friend was telling me, as yesterday we were complaining that, ah, there's only one colour in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Bafana Bafana. And he says, you complain, there's only one colour. This is one of my best friends. Only one colour. We don't have one Indian. And we said, no, the problem is, <laughs> if you go and get a corner, it's an Indian, you want to open a corner shop on the field. What about the race issue? What about the race issue in South Africa? What are we going to do? With, you see, South Africans need to understand. Are we going to do what Nelson Mandela wanted us to do? We need to cancel this thing of white, black, Indian and colored. We need to be, be known as South Africans. When you fill in a form, there must be ways of redress. Cancel be replaced with the National Empowerment Fund a proper one, and uh, make sure that people are known. Look at, you know, whenever we are South Africans, we prosper. But we, when you're you white, you're black, you're colored, we don't go forward. Yeah, that is, we're going to cancel race. That's my point. All right, I want to ask you about Cape Exit because there are a lot of people who think that this is a good idea. You have a huge number of people in the Cape who support you. 
Um, could you not foreseeably be a guy who could really push this? Why would you not want to if the case is that you are not? Because, uh, you know, you're in for a penny, in for a pound in South Africa. But really, uh, this, this issue, I, I don't particularly believe in Cape independence. We've had discussions. We've had old Phil Craig on the show before. But what are your feelings on this? I think first, the reason why everybody in KPX is coming to talk to us, all the proponents and the funders of this KPX thing is talking to us because mm. they realize they can be not they cannot be KPX without the Patriotic Alliance buying into this thing because we are uh, the our party is the strongest in in the Western Cape. The Cape exit for me, I don't think the future of South Africa. Our future is in a shared future, not in a divided future. Uh, our future is in a shared future, not in a divided future. So I can never, and the party I belong to, can never support the Cape exit because at the heart of Cape exit is racism. Is racism? It's 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 a case of us and them. Now people can argue that for as much as they like. But I'm saying to you that Cape Town is already so segregated. It's the most segregated province. And now you further want to distance itself from the rest of South Africa, who will fight Cape Exit. But what people should know is that they mustn't take this Cape Exit thing as just a, uh, a fart in the wind. There are serious <laughs> people behind, the same people that's behind Brexit, that uh, are behind Cape Exit. There are big monies behind Cape Exit. There's a there's a concerted, successful drive to concentrate people about Cape Exit. We are on the other side of that of that fight. Cape Exit will not be good. In South Africa, imagine you go from Joburg and then you must have a passport to go into the Western Cape. Some of us got dual houses. You got dual. You got families that side. Uh, my kids live in Cape Town. I live in Cape Town. Now, if I want to come out of Cape Town to see, sorry, my kids in Joburg. I need a passport. That's absolute rubbish. We will fight it until we have no fight in us. And the DA must come out straight. They mustn't fool the people. The DA must come out straight and say Cape Exit is nonsense. XMLC must come out and say Cape Exit is... Why well, party is not coming out? We mustn't be scared of the funders. I'm saying to you, let all these parties come out and say what is their position. The position of the Patriotic Alliance is it's absolutely nonsense, which we will not support. We'll fight it. But what I'm asking, let all these parties come out. And the ones that don't want to come out are the ones that have been paid. Because we were offered money. And I'm saying to you, come out. The PA says no to KP Exit. Let's see what the other parties are saying. Yeah, there was a lot of money being offered to say, we'll fund your campaign. By the people of Cape Exit. I mean, uh, one of my friends, uh, a very good friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, Robert, so even said, we'll get you money for your campaign if you support Cape Exit because he's a big supporter of Cape Exit. It's not only him. I met with the boss of Cape Exit uh, last week at a dinner. And I said to him, that's never going to happen. We had a dinner in Cape Town. And I said to him, my brother, in fact, you are even from England. I said to him, "You, where there's no black leadership in the leadership of... Of, of that Cape Exit thing. We were sitting having dinner, and I said to him, you are, you come here from England, you look at your, listen to your accent, you're like, no, mate, no, don't call me mate. Yeah, we don't call each other mate. It's my outie. Salute to like. <laughs> All right, Dayton, yeah. I, I want to ask you about something uh, quite contentious, because even though it's not really the most important issue to many South Africans, internationally, this conflict with Israel is a big story. And, you have been very vocal. You've been a, a supporter of Israel. You just mentioned you went on a trip there. But 
you also support a number, or you have support in the in the Cape Coloured community, and a lot of those people are Muslim. How do you reconcile all of that? I think uh, Stuart is saying we've got a lot of Muslim support in the Western Cape, and what, you see the, the first lie that, that or the first intimidation is people making this a zero sum game. This is no zero sum game. You you can be for it doesn't mean if you're for Israel you're against Palestine. Uh, this is not a soccer team. This is a country. Now the PA stance is very clear, and I'll tell you my stance and the PA stance, which which I differ with my party. The party stance is a two-state solution. A two-state solution. That is what the Patriotic Alliance, that's the official stand, that we must have a two-state solution. They are not for Palestine, they are not for Israel. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, I'm a Christian. And Christianity might not be heavy for some people, but I attribute everything I've achieved to my religion. My religion in Genesis is very clear. You curse Israel, you curse yourself. You might not believe that. That's okay. But don't tell me what to believe. I'm not your child. I believe I will never curse Israel. I believe that if I believe Hamas is the worst terrorist organization you can get, I, be, I think it's a travesty of justice for our country to even have meetings with such a terrorist organization called Hamas. And they must not talk. The ones that know the history of the ANC. That says no, we uh, Hamas and the ANC is a long relationship. No, the ANC's historical ally has always been the always been the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Authority. They even trained together in Moscow. So we'll give some of the ANC guys some history. But the ANC is making a grave mistake by siding with Hamas. Now I'm saying to you, and this is people can get angry with what I'm going to say now, and I'll repeat it again and again. As a leader of a country, if Zimbabwe or Lesotho And then? Hmm. Just dropped off. Maybe his battery died. Let me see if we can get him back on. Sorry, there oh, we are. We're I back. Don't... We're back. Sorry. No, you have to go back. Oh, my battery you lost you. Okay. We lost you, though. So saying, say... Yeah. I'm saying if any country comes in this country and they take hostages hmm. and they want peace with me, I will bomb them. Until that hostages, until that hostages come out. Because, listen to this, I have a duty as a president. Don't confuse what a country must do with a human being. Let's take Afghanistan, just before I come back to Israel. Afghanistan went to, they left, America, America left children behind in Afghanistan. Because they know we are only going there to get Americans. There was shooting happening at the airport, but Americans left children behind. And you can't blame America. That is policy. That is what a country is supposed to do. So if Hamas wants peace, they must just return the hostages. How do I make peace with you if I don't know if my child is alive? Rather, you die also. And that is things people don't hear. As a Christian, I will never turn my back on Israel, number one. Number two, we want the two-state solution. Number three, being for Israel doesn't mean I'm against Palestine. But the most important point I'm going to make you on the show today how do I, as the leader of people that die more than the Palestinians, that sometimes don't have water more than the Palestinians, that sometimes sit in darkness more than the people in Hamala in Palestine, how do I, you know, this, how do I fight for Palestinians while the people that put me into power 
are facing the very same problems that I'm trying to solve there. Just because it's, it's international doesn't make it more important. South Africans are dying more than Palestinians, particularly the people that vote for Gates and McKenzie. Now you want me to go? We've never seen our leaders coming to the Cape Flats. We've never seen our people come to Galvindale. We've never seen our people go to Wentworth, to Westbury, to El Dorado Park. We've never seen them have minutes of silence for the death. So my tears are reserved currently for the people that put me into the position where I can speak to you guys today. And I'm unapologetic about that. And the one that says we must boycott Jewish products you are playing, I will never do that. When you burn a boycott McDonald's, that's okay. But don't stop at McDonald's. Do the medical, do all the high blood things, do the uh, all the medical in inventions. You must also boycott everything. I am saying to you, Jewish people are not my enemies because the struggle of South Africa, Jewish people were there. Jewish people went to Robben Island. Jewish people was part of this struggle. And you're scared to say it. Hamas was not part of our struggle. Who, who, who of Hamas was in jail with Nelson Mandela. No, Hamas, so I'm saying yeah. it's a terrorist organization. And I'm unapologetic about my views. Hamas, I will not make peace if I'm Palestine unless the, the hostages are back. How do you make peace with somebody you know this person kill your kid? The memory, and I'm saying there's war. There's war. Shoot each other there, it's fine. But don't go into people's houses and go and get innocent people. That's not guerrilla warfare. That's terrorism. Don't confuse guerrilla warfare with terrorism. That's my stance. If you are Muslim and you feel you're not going to vote for me because I listen to the Holy Bible, then you should not vote for me. But I am not going to be told by a Muslim what I should, how I should interpret the Bible. Because I have no right as a Christian to tell any Muslim how they should interpret the Holy Quran. I respect your right to the to believe everything is in the Quran. Respect my right as a Christian. I'm not the scared Christians that's scared uh, to say things. But respect my right as a Christian to interpret the Bible how I read it. If I interpret it wrong, I might burn in hell. That's okay. But don't you tell me not to listen to the Holy Bible because I will never dare tell you not to listen to the Holy Quran. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing, I, for one, look forward to seeing your manifesto. And look, you're nothing if not honest, you know. Sure. And, I, and, and we need some I, of that in politics. I absolutely Jesus. appreciate a person who's able to say, don't vote for me, if you don't agree with me on this and that. And I also appreciate the fact that you, you're willing to let your voters know that you are going to take their vote and vote with whomever you believe gives you the power. So I, I, I also appreciate that because I think it's important, you know, for people to know, especially going into a very uncharted waters with the way that coalitions are looking at the moment. So I appreciate that a person who's willing to say, if you vote for me, where your vote might end up is whoever's going to give me the power. Right. I think that's a great place to end it. So, Gaten, thanks for coming on the show. We look forward to hearing more from you as we get close to the elections. And we'll keep an eye on that by-election in George on the 14th of February, right? That's the biggest one. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, thank Pumi. And let's Pumi's well, going to vote for me. I can feel Pumi, Pumi's going to vote for you, huh? <laughs> I can feel that. Pumi's going to vote for me. Pumi also is the deck of illegal foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gaten. Nice to see you. Cheers. <laughs> is that it, Pumi? You're going to vote PA? <laughs> 
All right, everybody. Qua, qua, qua. Lots of fun. Sure. Pumi's voting PA. Mm. Mm. Well. Okay. Well, we will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Have an excellent day, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. What a Thursday morning. <laughs> Bye-bye.